So I want to talk through a, a awesome, in fact, one of my favorite Old Testament stories that's been uh, ringing in my head all week. For the setup, this is the time in Israel's history from the Old Testament when it's after the Civil War and Israel had broken in half and the top part of the country was called Israel, sometimes Samaria. And the bottom part was called Judah. And the preeminent prophet, maybe in Israel's history, but the preeminent prophet to the northern kingdom primarily, was a guy named Elisha. And his home base was a city called Dothan. And uh, he was at Dothan hanging out, and uh, the, the kingdom above Israel, the kingdom sometimes called Aram in the Old Testament, sometimes called Syria, it's where modern-day Syria is, they were constantly sending raiding parties into Israel, you know, siphoning off both supplies and even, even cities. Um, so for a long period of time, Elisha was getting these incredible messages from God, and, and God would tell him exactly where the Syrian army was going to be. He'd then tell the king of Israel, and they would avoid that area, or they would defend against that area. And at one point in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, the, the writer takes us into the courtroom, the council chamber of the king of Syria, and he get, gets his council people around him, and he says, Who, where's the leak? Who's telling uh, the king of Israel what's going on? And one of his folks says, look, there's no leak. There's a prophet in Israel, and his name is Elisha, and he's kind of sensing every time we're going to move, and he tells the king of Israel, and the king of Syria says, go get him. So here's what happens. 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm starting with verse 15. 2 Kings 6, 15. When the servant of the man of God, no, I'm going to back up, I'm sorry, uh, 13, let's start with 13. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in, he's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. They went by night, surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up the next and went out the next morning, he looked and an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And listen to this and tell you if this doesn't sound familiar. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So uh, I hear in that very rich, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Uh, I hear the strains of three powerful emotional currents that uh, speak to me and I think speak to us today in the situation that we're in. First, there's a sense of surprise. It happened overnight, totally unexpected. La-di-da, wakes up Tuesday morning, uh, gonna be a normal day, looks out, city is surrounded by a foreign army. Second, there's a sense of fear. The army had completely surrounded the city. Uh, they're foreign and they mean them harm. Third, there's a sense of being overwhelmed. What shall we do? Should we try to escape, Elisha? Should we signal the king of Israel? Should we maybe surrender? Should we surrender to the city? Should we surrender ourselves? What decisions do we make? How do we proceed, Elijah? What's going on? And this is exactly what I have felt over the last week. And I suspect some of you have felt it as well. First of all, a profound sense of surprise. Didn't the world change in 24 hours? Uh, I remember we were here at the church office on uh, last week on Wednesday, 
Allison, our uh, early childhood children's director, said to me, Ed, are we having church on Sunday? Yeah, of course we are. I could see in Allison's face, you know, she's thinking, I'm a baby boomer, you're being socially irresponsible. I'm thinking, Allison, you're overly worried. Within 24 hours, the NBA had suspended its season. Loudoun County had called off schools. It seemed like the entire planet had turned upside down. Incredibly surprising. Second of all, there is with this an inevitable, an inexorable sense of fear. This disease is contagious. It's perhaps 20 times as deadly as the flu. I mean, sure, uh, the fatality rate is only 2 to 3%, but still much higher than the flu, we're told. Besides that, our healthcare system could be overrun. We don't have enough beds, we don't have enough respirators. And worse, it seems like we're hearing all this stuff from pretty reasonable, reliable sources. This is not conspiracy theory. And the fact that, that we're all tethered to a 15-minute news cycle, it just reinforces and ramps up our fears. It's like we're living in a fear machine. Third thing is overwhelming overwhelmness. I know overwhelmness is not a word, but we're gonna invent it for this season. Too much information. As I said, it changes every 15 minutes. It's constant, plus some of, some of the information is good, but it's still overwhelming, right? Blogs, email chain, Facebook posts, even stuff from your church. Sorry about that. We all wanna solve your problem. Somebody sent me a link to a, a technical magazine uh, that writes about technology stuff. There's a bar across the top of it that says seven tips for sur surviving coronavirus. You know, I wanna click on it because I need to know how to survive coronavirus. So uh, let me, let me uh, read the rest of that section now and, and let's hear how this story unfolds. This is awesome. Uh, verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. The servant of God is thinking, what are you talking about? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, my servants, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elijah. As the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed another time and said, Lord, strike these people with blindness, the invading enemy army. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Elijah told them, the enemy army, he says, look, this isn't the road you're looking for. This isn't the city you're looking for. Oh, okay. Uh, then uh, come follow me and I'll take you to where you're looking. Oh, okay, so they follow Elijah and, and Elijah takes them to the capital of Samaria where they're surrounded by the forces of the king of Israel. After they entered the city, Elijah said, open the eyes of, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked around and there they were inside Samaria. Um, so for me, three powerful comforting challenges that are offered to us in this passage. Challenge number one, we cannot allow ourselves to be overrun by a sense of surprise. God isn't surprised by the coronavirus. This is not novel to God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows our thought even before we think. He's gone ahead of us preparing work for us to enter into. He is the God who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Our God is not surprised. Not ever and not now. Now, as it relates to ourselves, we've got to expect our emotions to vacillate. 
That's what we do. Every five minutes, I change my mind. I don't know about you, but I think, wow, this is overblown. Our reaction is so dramatic. And then five minutes later, I'm thinking, it's going to kill us all. Uh, I got a great email this week from Jennifer Wing. It was a copy of an email that uh, someone from Rich Wing's work had sent him. It was awesome. And it compared what we're going through, this emotional roller coaster with a grief cycle. And I think it's perfect. The, the, the stages of grief are denial, anger, recognize this? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. Don't you feel yourself rolling through that? And we will get to acceptance because that's the kind of people God is shaping us to be. We will get there. We just gotta be patient with ourselves as we work through it. Don't, don't freak out about freaking out. I mean, this is freak out worthy. So let God work us through that process and get us to acceptance. But remember, God is not freaked out. He's not surprised. Look, as we dial through each of these kind of emotional gauges, I wanna give us a really practical step. And here's the first one, practical step number one, as it relates to our sense of surprise. How about during these weeks, let's step up our devotional life. All right, I know that sounds like the thing that the professional religious guy ought to say, but really, let's do it. I want you to think about it. By stepping up our devotional game, we are stepping onto something firm, something solid, something consistent, something secure and sure. We're placing our feet, we're establishing our foundation on God. While, while the news changes every 15 minutes, God does not change. The talking heads have no idea where this is headed and they don't know how to stop it. God knows and he does. So let's tap into him. Uh, let's step up our devotional game. All right, uh, emotional current number two, we can't allow ourselves to give way to fear. This, th there's a perfectly natural fear component to this event, but we can't be driven by that. It's not healthy for us and we don't have to be. Uh, Look, God is in this thing. I mean, the whole planet is shut down. Do you think that that escaped God's notice? Do you think that's outside of his activity? He's in this thing. He has surrounded us. He's greater than this virus. Greater is the one that's in us. Uh, did you notice that there are two miraculous features that happen in this story? Feature number one, first, God opened the eyes of Elijah's servant so that he could see the real deal. He sees, reality, he sees reality as it really is, and I really believe that. You know, given the fact that God is on our side, I mean, if we could see the full spectrum of reality all the time, I honestly believe we'd be cocky. You think you're going to take us down here? Check out all those guys behind you. But the, the only way you're going to be able to do anything here is if these guys decide that it's in my long-term best interest and in God's plan. And then they're just going to allow it. And again, that will only be because it will accomplish a greater good in the long run. Look, you lose either way. You might as well give up. God has got us surrounded even now. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. That doesn't mean that this won't be challenging. Some of you know uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, she, young girl, as a young girl, 16, 17 years old, she was a, a lake trip with friends, dove in to swim, dove onto a rock, and a serious head and neck injury, and has spent uh, the balance of her life paralyzed from the neck down. She's a quadriplegic, 
And God has turned that into an incredible speaking ministry, writing ministry. She even draws very well with her teeth, I assume. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata has some of the most profound quotes about suffering that I've ever heard because she's done it. She's done the challenge in its most severe form. Listen to this. She said this, the truth of the matter is Satan and God may want the exact same event to take place, but for very different reasons. Satan's motive in Jesus's crucifixion was rebellion. God's motive was love and mercy. Satan was a secondary cause behind the crucifixion, but it was God who ultimately wanted it, willed it, and allowed Satan to carry it out. And the same holds true for disease. That's her quote. How awesome is that? For disease. We will be challenged through this. We have to recognize that God's coverage of us does not mean that really difficult things will not happen to us. Some of us may get sick or people we love may get sick. Johnny Tata Erickson added in another place, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Now let's be honest. In times like this, you may want more than that. You may want to guarantee that God will protect you from ever facing any really, really serious challenge. You may think that that's the key to overcoming your fear, but you and I don't get that guarantee. And we don't need it. What we need is God. And tapping into him is the key to overcoming fear. Demanding the guarantee of our comfort and safety will only make us miserable and we won't get it anyway. Demanding the guarantee of our comfort and safety will only make us miserable and we won't get it anyway. P.S. You don't get it without God either. And if you choose to go it without God, then you don't have the guarantee and you don't have God. So I choose God in his way. The second miracle that happens in this passage is that God blinds the eyes of the Assyrian, of the, of the Assyrian army. So I want to I read the end of the story now. This is verse 20 through 23. After they entered the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I just kill them? Don't kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you'd captured with your own sword or bow? Back set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. <laughs> I would have too. How did this happen? Did Elisha overwhelm them with his power and his skill as a swordsman? Did he confound them with his cleverness? No. This happened by the power of God, which came to bear on this circumstance through Elijah's faith. So, a uh, practical step related to our fear. Let's choose things that will encourage our faith through this. Let's choose things that will encourage our faith through this. Look, if you just pump CNN or Fox News all day long while catching all the latest blogs and Facebook posts and magazine articles about the coronavirus, guess what you're going to feel? Why not encourage your faith? Why not start a new spiritual discipline? Uh, try memorizing scripture. I'll give you one. How about uh, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4? Look it up later. 
Start memorizing scripture or, or journal through this. Write down what you and your kids did today. They drove me crazy because, so be honestly, this will be great memories for you. This is a, this is a generation changing event. Journal it as you go through it. Why not watch something that will encourage your faith? We're going to actually send you a subscription ne next week to a, uh, to a portal that uh, it's almost like um, uh, Netflix for Christians. It, it's got great teaching resources, great Bible study resources. There are hundreds of videos for kids, and we're going to offer that subscription to you next week. And over the next weeks, we'll be sending you recommendations for things to watch. Watch something that will encourage your faith. Choose things through this that will encourage your faith. All right, we can't allow ourselves to give way to fear and we don't have to. Let's choose things that will encourage our faith. And then the third emotional current that we've got to be aware of is let's not allow ourselves to get overwhelmed during this time. I already feel overwhelmed. Some of you may not, not be there yet, but I suspect many of you are and almost all of us will be. And for me, it's honestly, for me, it's just about information load. I don't even have semi-clothed toy-wielding gremlins creating havoc in my space. So especially for you moms and dads, I, I can't even imagine overwhelmed all caps. By the way, uh, Diane, my wife, sent me a hilarious post from someone this week. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it says, I'm going to quote this, anyone else feel like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? And then it quotes the fourth grader. And there was this virus and everyone was scared and then the world ran out of toilet paper, yeah. And then, the, and, and then there was no school for like a month and then it snowed. And by the way, the forecast for Monday is snow. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, it's overwhelming. Uh, but we don't need to be overwhelmed. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins in the end. God has got this whole thing all right, I'm going to give us something practical in the face of overwhelmment. Remember, literally keep in mind, let this be our reminder. Let's remember our job description. Our job is to love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors. Love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors. Stock market is falling apart. Not my job. Don't know what my company is going to do. Not my job. What do I do about graduation? Not my job. I, I feel that about pastoring, by the way. How do I make everyone feel okay? How do I share the right information? How do I stay on top of all this? What if the church can't meet for Easter? Not my job. Look, I'm not... I'm not talking about being irresponsible here. Of course we do what God puts in front of us and we do it to the best of our ability, but we have to stay focused on our job description. I love what Psalm 131, one and two says. Listen to this. My heart is not proud, Lord, nor are my eyes haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Love, you, love God and love your neighbor. That's our job. And what a great time, by the way, to think about loving our neighbors. Did you notice how the Elisha story ended? A bit of a stretch here, but think about Elisha advocating for the Assyrian army, the Syrian army, I'm sorry. And then they, they, they make a feast for them. I mean, these guys didn't want to go to war. For us, what a great opportunity this period presents to love our neighbors. 
Let's make up ways to do that. All right, uh, Diane also sent me a picture in the same text group uh, this week of a, a young guy sitting with a nurse. It has two frames, same picture. In the first frame, the nurse says to the young guy, your COVID-19 test came back positive. In the second frame, he says, that's not possible. I have over 300 rolls of toilet paper. Sometimes we do the wrong things in a crisis. And when we do, we don't help ourselves. We may even hurt ourselves. If we allow ourselves to get hung up by surprise or if we constantly nurse our fears or if we put ourselves in a position to be overwhelmed by wave after wave, we will not weather this event well and it will pass and we will be the worse for it. So let's step up our devotional life. Let's choose things that will encourage our faith and let's remember our job description. Thanks for joining us, y'all.